Hello, it's the Winging It F1 podcast. It's the 31st episode. And yes, I am presenting again. So apologies to our listeners and viewers who have to hear me rambling on about stuff that I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm with Adam Dickinson. He went on a hike last Saturday with a friend of mine. I've heard it was very good. And he found a calculator in the peak district somewhere <laughs> by itself. And I'm with Freddie Coates, who's very bitter about not winning the Formula E talent call competition. He's been absolutely raving on about it all morning. But enough about that. It's time to talk about some F1 stuff. And let's start with Lance Stroll. Yeah, Lance Stroll tested positive uh, last, last weekend uh, when he didn't race at the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. But he has tested negative for coronavirus on Monday. So he will be racing this weekend at the Portuguese Grand Prix. I know Freddie is very well. He's he's he's, a, he's an angry man this morning. He's not happy about the FIA uh, uh, allowing Stroll to go outside his bubble and stuff. So, Freddie, what is your what are your thoughts on Stroll's <laughs> on on the Stroll situation? There you are. Yeah. Um. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm here. Um. But yeah, it's a bit. It's all a bit weird. It's a bit fishy. Because, yes, so he, he arrived at the Nurburgring. Everything was fine. He'd been feeling a bit ill since Russia, but he had tested negative, so he arrived at the Nurburgring. Perfectly good. Lovely jubbly. But then it comes to Friday night, Saturday, and he, we have all of the um, well-documented symptoms of the Lance Stroll illness. And from that, he was ushered out of there, not given a test, put on a flight back home to wherever, wherever he's living, presumably the UK, and um, not tested. And then they got a Nico Hülkenberg, and then they were able to compete in the race. And now since then, he's tested positive for coronavirus. It's all been not publicised until now. Um, and it, it comes across as very fishy to me that they were kind of sort of dodging tests for the rest of the race team to sort of make sure they were able to race, which is quite reckless, if, if you ask me. It, I think it, it seems like if they, if they had tested Lance Stroll on the Saturday at the track with the facilities they had there, then he probably would have been out. positive, which they should do. Um, probably would have been positive considering after he flew, flew home, he tested positive. So what's happened is these people, the track would have then had to have gone to be tested, but they didn't have to do that because they didn't test him there. So they could then bring in Nico Hülkenberg and have two cars in the race and not sort of, not basically have to restrict every, not have to restrict the entire team and pull out of the Grand Prix. And, I mean, yeah, they finished fourth for fighting for the podium in eighth. So they got points, but uh, those points because they dodged COVID protocol and even brought in Nico Hulkenberg into the, into the mix and put him at risk as well, despite him not originally being in the bubble. It, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, it, it comes across as a little bit haphazard. And Racing Point back in Silverstone wanted to see if they could get Sergio Perez in the car for the second <laughs> Silverstone race. They were trying to sort of bend a few rules with, um, with the UK government for that kind of thing. And it feels like they've, they've tried to be a bit sly again. And the amount of people that have been put at risk of this, I don't know his flying home situation. If he was on a commercial flight, then that's an entire cabin full of people because you're circulating the air through there. So you're circulating coronavirus throughout that entire airplane. Presumably, I mean, chances are he would have tested negative on that morning as well, but we don't know that. And the risk has been taken, and the risk is stupid. 
Yeah, so my question is, and I'll pass this on to Adam as well. Do you blame the FIA or Racing Point? I forgot to say, are you all right as well to you both? Because I forgot not to say that in the intro. Well, I guess we can't give you a response now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot warmer. I'm not huddled in a blanket. I went to Morrison's and got a nice fluffy thing. It's like a zipper puddy, but made of dressing gown material. So I'm living the dream right here. I'm in a fleecy thing too. Oh, great. This is a lovely, lovely moment for the audio. Audio uh, listeners. Yeah, my question. Yeah, FIA yes. or Racing Point? <laughs> who's, who's to blame? Um, or both? Yeah, I mean, it's probably probably a bit of both, I guess. R- Racing Point are the ones, well, it's, it, it sounds from what I've heard like Racing Point kind of took the matter into their own hands and got Stroll out before before the FIA kind of got their gears into action so I don't know whether I don't know whether it was the case that the FIA said oh yeah we need to test him on you know Saturday evening and they said oh sorry we sent him back home or whatever and you know I don't know the situation you know whether anything was agreed with them or not but it kind of from what I've heard it feels like Racing Point have taken the situation into their own hands and I think the the issue here is for them the worst case scenario is that they don't get to race. It's not that their team gets COVID and they pass that COVID onto half the grid, which isn't really the way it should be. It yeah. feels like, you know, they're putting... It, it's We've got to get the car out onto track first rather than we've got to make sure we're safe and responsible for the sake of the F1 grid and keeping F1 running. And maybe the worst... Well, obviously, it's good if no one in the F1 paddock does get coronavirus from this you know it's if obviously that's that's good but in in some ways the fact that they have got away with it means that you know there isn't going to be that same kind of response or condemnation of it I don't think and um, you know will other teams do it in the future will they you know if they're in that position will they point and say you know hey Racing Point did it why why can't we do it or you know I think I think the FIA need to you know issue some kind of warning or you know just clarification of if a driver tests positive on a race weekend this is what's going to happen yeah and it's interesting because there was a news story yesterday michael massey the formula one race director said that he did not feel that lance Shaw's illness ahead of the eiffel Brie exposed any loophole in the fia's covid 19 testing protocols except that they let a guy who had symptoms go on an aeroplane so you know I, I don't know if that's a loophole or a loop chasm or well yeah but that loop, arguably loop that crater loop, arguably, arguably that loop chasm hole crater <laughs> crevasse whatever we're calling it is a loophole with um the international aeroplane systems because if he's if if lance stroll hasn't come to the track on saturday then he's not within the FIA's jurisdiction at all because he was allowed to come on the Friday because he had tested negative on the Thursday, and that's fine. They can't. That's that's how they have it. And so if he's not come to the track on the Saturday, then that's outside the FIA's remit, and it's an entirely a managed by Racing Point situation. And Racing Point can go to the FIA and say, "Let's get a test for this," and the FIA, and they will say yes because he's an he's an employee of a team in the championship, but. Is it? Um, it's is not, it not the FIA. Yeah, go on. It's it's not um, Racing Point's 
prerogative to bring him to the track and get him tested and all of that. It's it's not the FIA, sorry, they're not their prerogative to yeah. force him to be tested at the track. It's racing points to get him tested and they can keep him away and say, it's okay, he's like isolating over here and he's sorted and he's fine. Um, but he tested negative the other day anyway, but we're just being nice and, and taking precautions. So that's where it seems a bit like I, I lend the blame quite to Racing Point rather than the FIA. Yeah. I, I blame the FIA because for me, he should have been tested straight away and they definitely have the equipment and stuff to do it. So, plus, it, on, if he, so he was at the track on the Friday, he would have been in contact with his mechanics and stuff as yeah. well. And they wouldn't, wouldn't have been tested either. So, for me, I lay the blame on the FIA in this one. Yeah, I think, I think the, the initial blame I'll put at Racing Point for kind of, as I've said, act, acting to protect their racing status rather than the health of the paddock and their team. But yeah, I think, you know, do the FIA need to just, you know, clarify the rules or because, you know, if, if you are at, at the, well, if you're at a Grand Prix, even if you're not actually at the track, I think the FIA would need to need to make it clear that you're still kind of in, you're at the Grand Prix kind of from when you arrive on Thursday to when you leave on Sunday. So, you know, regardless of yeah. whether you're actually at the track at that point or not, I think for me, what once you're in that, in that bubble, in that paddock, you know, you, you've arrived there, then you should, you should kind of be under the, FI's jurisdiction from that point, especially at the moment, you know, well they they should they should be able to you know or, order someone to have a test if they think the safety of the paddock is um, is at risk. I'll, it's I'll important to note it. that this is a developing story. It's only been announced yeah. this this morning that we're recording the podcast. It's Wednesday morning. Uh, um, Lance Stroll only announced about forty five minutes ago on on his social media. So there will be more about this and we've got press conferences yeah. tomorrow and Thursday that will, that journalists will put the question to racing point to Safnauer to stroll um, about this. And I think we, there will be more to come from this and there might be a few more precautions put into the, into the uh, testing system from the FIA um, and a few more um, maybe sanctions put in towards the teams. I would imagine if they, the sanction being a fine rather or something like that, rather than you get coronavirus and could die. But um, I think they need to just have a complete rethink now with this second wave globally. I think that there is, there is obviously a lot more opportunity for people to be in contact with, with COVID outside of formula one with, with, with more weeks off as well. And I think because, because we've come back and it's all been fine and you know a lot of the world sports have come back it's maybe not at the forefront of teams minds so much you know I don't know this mm. is just kind of me projecting onto them really but it felt in you know in in July it kind of felt like you know one one positive test could like force F1 to shut down or you know governments to shut their doors on it whereas now there seems to be kind of more certainty generally about F1. You know, it's not kind of, we know what races there are and, you know, they all seem to be sorted out that, that we can, that F1 can go there. So I don't know whether it's just kind of less in teams' 
minds now? I think my problem is, and I'm going to, I'm going to use the word selfish. To me, it's selfish of Lance Stroll mm. and whoever decided for him to go on an aeroplane to have to be ill, have the symptoms, whatever, and to fly to a different country. Because imagine if you got it or I got it. I wouldn't think... My first thought would not be, oh, I'm going to go on an aeroplane and go to a different country. Lock your door. So I think it's very selfish of mm. Lance Stroll and, and the, whoever went with him or whatever. That, that's my problem. Look at the way they dealt mm. with it in McLaren in Australia. Um, mm. Exactly. One yeah, or perfect. two tested positive and the other 12 or 14 or so uh, mechanics were in hotel rooms for two weeks. That's it. Yeah. They had two people who, who didn't had any and didn't have any contact with anyone stay there and you know give them things but these guys weren't allowed outside at all mm. and actually there's a really good video they did talking to the mechanics on the mclaren social media on youtube which i urge everyone to watch but um yeah that's that's how they dealt with it and these guys were at the end of the world in march middle of march basically that was the around the australian grand prix weekend was when everything went to pot globally and they were in Australia for two weeks, not knowing if they would be able to get home. And yeah. but they still took that risk. Exactly. Also, wasn't didn't they say it was a stomach upset or something? I forget I think, what the. I think they straw. thought a lot of the um, symptoms yeah. weren't actually COVID. They think um, the headline mm. I kept seeing was that he was on the loo and he had diarrhoea and everything. Yeah, so yeah, that's I think, what I heard. Um, that's so. not a public COVID symptom, if you will. Uh, it's not one no. on the NHS website, but um, it's yeah, he's not in a good state, really. Mm. Uh, I just don't know whether to trust it after the symptoms. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if yeah. they're saying this was the case, and I, I don't know if they kind of, I think they explicitly asked, is it COVID, and they said no, it's a different illness. But I could, I could so be wrong on that. It's yeah. just after the Perez stuff as well, and they lied about, oh, we didn't go to Mexico. Well, we did, and stuff yeah. like that. Racing point are not giving themselves a good look for me this year. Especially no. after some of the on-track, well, on-track slash off-track yeah. stuff. On the uh, car stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the car stuff, exactly. Uh, let's move on to the Portuguese Grand Prix then. It's back on the calendar after about 15, 14 years. Uh, off it, uh, the Algarve track is a brand new one for the teams and drivers. It's going to present a lot of challenges. It should be dry. I think I've not looked at the weather, so uh, the teams should be able to get up and running on Mike Nurburgring when there was a few more variables and Friday was called off. Is this a track we'd like the look of or, or is it a bit bland? <laughs> I, I like the look of it. I've not seen racing there on it in the past I don't kind of follow the series that have raced there but yeah from what I've seen I think when when these tracks got announced this was the one I was most optimistic for mm. kind of staying on but considering we've already had you know good races at the Nürburgring and Mugello you know hopefully this will be on that par or perfect you know it just looked like doesn't like a good track and maybe a bit more a bit more like the modern modern track so whether that will improve overtaking yeah. or not um we don't know but yeah i'm, I, I'm optimistic for it Here's yeah we've had good point oh. very wide track um it's a wide and uh, undulating track with lots of blind apexes and everything so it's a difficult track to master i think and i agree with adam it does 
of all the tracks I think that have popped up this year with their cameo roles, this is probably one that would be most likely to to stay on future calendars. Um, I think actually it's been quite seriously touted as a Grand Prix in the past few years anyway, without a pandemic to thrust it into the into the limelight. So that's it's got a lot going for it, and this is its chance to shine. I think on the global stage, and it's I think it's a it's a brilliant little track. Um, my only experience of it comes from uh, sim games and stuff on my PlayStation. So I mean, from that, it, there's a lot of undulation. There was a video Antonio Felix Acosta put up, up on there from when he drove there, I don't know, about five or six years ago, and when he was with Red Bull, he did a test demo day there, and the way that the wherever the cameraman was stood, just filming it from a phone or something. He was going up and down and all around just because just because the track was basically on the most hilly region of of Portugal. It was it it's going to be really quite a roller coaster of a track, I think. Similar to one yeah. of one of the ones you get in the backwaters of Japan, like a Sugo. Mm. It's gonna rain there today. Oh. But it's gonna be sunny all weekend, about oh. twenty degrees. That's all right. It's a brand new the track. Weather man there. Uh, using his journalism weather skills. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, looked out the window and used to tell <laughs> uh, like Yeah. I've seen some GT racing there, and like you said, Freddie, it is a very wide track. And I think one of the things that will help F1 is that you can take a few different lines through the corners. I think it, it could be similar to Silverstone, perhaps. You take a few different lines, especially in the first sector there. So that should be all good for a, some good racing. Yes, Mercedes should be at the front, but behind that, it could be it could be pretty mad. Do we think F1 needs a Portuguese Grand Prix, or is it one of those countries where you think, yeah, I'm not really bothered if they go there? Or, or I don't or think not. it needs a particular... I don't think there's many countries that it needs yeah, a race in. Probably America's <laughs> the big yeah. one. And, but, America you know, as a track, it, need, it needs good it. tracks. And... If you know if Portimao is a good track and Portugal's not a country run by a dictator or a human rights abuser, then you know it's a it's a yes from me. Uh, yeah, I can probably. only second that. Um, if uh, Portugal's a really nice place, yeah. Have you been? I went when I was five, and I oh, had wow. a good time. Crazy Portugal, hitting the decks with a five-year-old me. Going crazy. My cousin lost his tooth on a banana boat. Get down with it. Wow. <laughs> Have you been to Port School, Adam? Um, no, I've not. I've been to Spain, but not. Never made it anywhere near the border. Freddie's yeah. uh, antics scared me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, back in. <laughs> yes, that's there's a list of countries Freddie's not allowed in. Portugal is on the list. Uh, there's, there's, a track actually a short, called... there's actually a shorter list of countries that Freddie is allowed in. <laughs> anyway, there goes my uh, the Michael Palin. <laughs> well, we might not even be allowed anywhere with tier three. But, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we're in tier three. Podcast listener and viewers. Yes. Oh, we're actually in it now. What tier are you? Uh, in? Well, not in. We're not in tier three yet. We're in tier three as oh. of. Saturday morning. So when free practice three airs, we will be in tier three and won't be allowed to go Ooh. to Portugal. We're but expecting a big like, lightning bolt to, you know, a flash of lightning when it goes to tier three. 
Yeah, definitely. That's how it works. works. That's what's going to happen. Like, like in Fortnite, when the storm comes across, you get that purple line going across the screen, expecting something like that just across the whole of Sheffield. Or in a storm. Mm. Sorry, Nigel, we cut off what you... Oh, that's <laughs> great, isn't it? That's good. Sorry for our listeners and viewers there. You just heard the word Fortnite in the Winging It F1 podcast, so you would have thought that. You can thank Adam for that one. As he yeah. Who would have thought that? <laughs> uh, this is brilliant quality. Moving on. Yeah. What's your favourite Portuguese... F1 moment, if you've got one. <laughs> um, there was, I can't remember who, was it Berger? Or, um, we're kind of coming out the pits. He's coming oh. out the pits and, and he just lights up. It feels like something I'd do in like project cards and he just <laughs> lights up the rear wheels. So there's like three cars coming through. I think Derek Warrior was in the train. And so they're like following that on the... Um, kind of right-hand side of the track as you look at it on the screen. Pit lane's on the left. that You can't really see the pit exit. And then you, <laughs> you just see the car kind of come sliding across the front of them. And, like, a, a, the, he didn't hit any of the other ones in the train. But it's just, like, yeah, such a brilliant moment. Yeah, 1993, when he was with Ferrari, it was quite an embarrassing <laughs> little spin for him because he'd just come out of the pits. He's on cold tyres. He floored it and just went, oh, up, oh, down. And that was it. Straight across into the wall. Lane. I don't think they have pit lane speed limits as well. I think they didn't, no. Maybe, yeah, they didn't have pit lane speed limits, so he, he would have just absolutely floored it. Would have got onto yeah. the, um, the kind of dirtier part of the track, maybe, when he came out. And just, mm. just his, his rears lit up, and he flew across the track. And Adam was right. If you watch, the sort of, it, it pops up every now and again on a, on, a, on a social media video on Twitter or Instagram from F1, because it is quite a comical bit of footage where he just sort of just goes straight from one side across to the other. And then they're like, oh, oh, look, there, there's a Ferrari crashed. Where did that come from? And it's, just, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's like, you, you don't see, you don't kind of see the start of the spin because it's focusing on the battle on the other side of the track. So you see these cars coming through and then you basically just see a car going perpendicular to that, just kind of driving, you know, back to front across the width of the track. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's a brilliant moment. Nigel, what's your favourite? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think Nicky Lauda won his third and final world yeah. championship in Portugal mm. by half a point. Uh, mm. I think he got second or third in the race, which was just enough to win the championship. And I love Nicky Lauda. He's one of my favourite F1 drivers of all time. So I think it was an insane race that, that one. He dropped yeah, he... pretty much the back because he got an awful start right. and then fought his way through. And um, yeah, it was basically that year was Prost versus Lauda, which was the professor versus the the predecessor, which is basically Lauda was basically Prost before Prost was. And and yeah, and they both were, you know, getting the points they needed all the way through. And they it was half a point in it, and it was only half a point because of the nineteen eighty four Monaco Grand Prix having been um cancelled due to halfway through due to the rain, the one which Senna allegedly announced himself to F one on. Um but yes, it was robbed of the win. It was robbed of Stefan Beloff was robbed of the win, and um, who was going faster than the two of them um, in his Tyrrell, and which actually would have been disqualified the year later because that Tyrrell was disqualified for something for the whole year. So Martin Brundle had his oh. first podium taken off him as well. Um, oh. Anyway, that's enough about the 1984 F1 season. What's your favourite moment, Freddie? My favourite moment. I don't know. I, I quite like. Um, I quite like David Coulthard's first win. I mean, yeah, it was pretty cool for him. 
Oh, I thought of one. Senna and Prost side by side down the main, down the pit straight. That made them very angry. Yeah. There's another one. Instead of Senna's first win, Senna's kind of leading Prost down the pit straight. And then it looked like he's about to move out. And then he just kind of spins on the spot and goes into the wall and batters his front wing, uh, rear wing. The the one that I'm, I mean, you know, it's quite low speed or whatever. It's not, you know, taps Mm. it, but just enough to put him out. Um, The one I might actually go for is um, the, (laughs) it's like the least, the least important moment in F1, but it's just funny. Um, Mauro Baldi, retired in the 1985 Portuguese Grand Prix like in the middle of the track so he kind of climbs out and runs over and he kind of sprints at the barrier and tries to hurdle it and he clears the barrier but then there's like something on the other side like a slope on the other side it's not just flat so he kind of <laughs> his foot down and falls over backwards you did that on your hike on Saturday didn't you Adam no I was all right I was all right <laughs> managed to survive right it's time for a quiz I'm doing it so that's good. It's going to be boring as usual. Um, it's Freddie versus Adam because I'm doing the quiz. So that makes sense. Nigel's go. a really bad hype man for this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah. Not. It's going to be yeah. boring. Be great. Turn I'm off. Going to go down to the wire. Go away. Don't watch the podcast. No, Don't there'll be listen some... to it. How are you, actually? I forgot to ask. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I use up all my hype in all my hype in the introductions. He uses all his hype on Albon and then has nothing left for anyone. He's so not energetic talking about, talking him about Albon. He's so energetic when he talks about Albon. And then when it comes to doing the quiz, he's like, No, I'm not gonna ask questions unless they can be about why Albon's bad. <laughs> Which we all what know result did Albon finish? A bad one. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these, oh, que- these questions would still be better than Freddie's Nurburgring tiebreaker. Still not over it. I can't remember it. I'm, no. I'm over Anyway, it. Um, uh, let's get on with it because we're going to lose listeners and viewers because we've got a thousand. We've got, yeah, we've got a thousand listeners, which is great. Thank you for everyone. Yeah, thank you for everyone who has been listening <laughs> yeah. to the podcast over the last few months. We really, really appreciate it. We really do. It's really good of you. Thank you very much for taking a chunk of time out of your lives to listen to us absolutely ramble about complete weird, who knows what, everything that comes to our mind. Hopefully F1. Hopefully F1. Sometimes it's F1, but you can never tell. All right, question one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What time is it in Portugal? Adam. Adam. Oh, what now? <laughs> yes. Um, this is an issue because I don't know the time here. Um, <laughs> I'll just look it up. Give uh, me a second. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, you can't look okay. it up, Rob. What's the point of the quiz? <laughs> um, <laughs> 12. Oh, no, sorry. 10.07. No, that's wrong. Ready? 12.07. No, that's wrong as well. Adam. Adam. 11.07. No, 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 no. 9.07. Freddie, eleven oh seven. Yes, it's eleven oh seven. Yeah, it's the same, same as time here. as the UK. Uh, yeah. What? But it's not in the UK. I thought that was an easy question, but you know, clearly <coughs> yeah, uh, not. Clearly, we uh, don't know anything about. The Portugal. Good thing I didn't say what was the capital of Portugal because Freddie would have got that one wrong as well. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, this question two is: What is the name? The what's Portugal. the name? <laughs> <laughs> 
What's the name of another racetrack in Portugal that isn't Adam. Algarve? Adam. Uh, Estoril. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I'm not. It is. It is right. Yeah, yeah, that is right. <laughs> Yeah, that is all right. It would be good if I put it's the good. answers. It's good if you think they're right, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> the quiz master. Well, that's 1-1. One, one. Uh, question three is, when was the last Portuguese Grand Prix? Adam. Freddy. Adam. Whoa. 1996. It was 1996, and it was won by Jacques Villeneuve, who began yes. champion that year. He's the reigning American. Portuguese Grand Prix champion, so will he defend his title this year? Probably he- not. He didn't become champion that year. Damon Hill did. Sorry, no, he didn't he become didn't. champion that year. That's right. He won it in '97. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should know that. I can confirm. Uh, <laughs> the next question is: How many times has a Portuguese driver been on the podium in Formula One? Ready, Redrick. Once Thiago Monteiro, the Indy Indy race in 2005. Absolutely. Yeah. The Jordan team. Yeah. So, and he was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, all those Michelin runners race. couldn't race. I've got a podium in, like, not owned by Jordan Jordan. Mm. Uh, that's 2-2, two, two, or choo-choo, as I like to say. No, that was bad. Uh, what does the Algarve track have to do with Jeremy Clarkson, James May and... Adam, Freddie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Adam. In the first episode of the Grand Tour, they went there to film the Holy Trinity. Of yeah, they did. Supercars, hypercars. Uh, we definitely didn't know about that question before the podcast. We knew that question was coming up because Nigel says, has anyone got any questions I can do for this quiz that you guys have both got to answer? And I jokingly said, oh, what did the Grand Tour do at the, uh, the Algarve circuit? And he says, oh, damn, that's actually a question. And I was like, what? Yeah. I said that as a joke. And now it's actually a question. And I didn't even get it. Yeah. And now I got it. <laughs> yeah. It's free to now. 10 quid. I'm going to warn you both not to get angry over the next three questions. No. Okay. Here we go. Have Portugal ever qualified for the Rugby World Cup? Adam. Ready. Adam. Yes. What year? Actually, uh, no, no, that's horrible. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a guess. Was it 07? Oh, 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 we got it right. Oh, one point. Yes. I was about to say no in every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only time they have qualified for the Rugby mm. World Cup. Rugby Union World Cup, that is. So yeah. don't, if you're oh. a Rugby League fan, please don't Damn, attack. I'm a rugby league I am player. from the North, so I should like Rugby League. I don't. Uh, <laughs> name a Portuguese person who won a major championship this year. In just in anything? In life? <laughs> in, in tennis? In Monopoly. I'll repeat, I'll repeat the question. Name the Portuguese person who won a major, cha- major championship this year. Freddy. Freddy. Antonio Felix Acosta. Yes, there of we course. go. Well, I was going to say Cristiano even... Ronaldo. Guess, guess yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah the football world championship. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's the score? Freddy. What's the uh, score? 3-0. 3-0. Oh, I think. No, uh, no, I think it's say. four, three. What question are you on? You can work Wrong it out. question one. eight. It was four, oh, yeah, three. Four, three. four, three to Adam. Yeah, yeah four, yeah. three to Adam. I knew that. <laughs> uh, who is the only Portuguese cycling world champion? Oh, come Adam. on. Adam. Rui Costa. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what year? What year? Uh, 1986. 
a few weeks ago, I made a mistake by having a really bad rant at the engine modes. I think the engine modes haven't actually had as much of an effect as I first thought. I think it was after Monza. And the racing has still been pretty good. It hasn't made that much of a difference. So mm, that's, that's, that's a good thing for really F1. Noted. Yeah, mm. I think people forgot about the engine mode thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, well done for getting off your what, chest, Nigel. Yeah, I've been hard remember to say. It wasn't really. Oh, okay. I think, I think Red Bull are also a bit closer to Mercedes in qualifying as well because of the engine mode as well, because you have to use the mm. same thing. I think that's something I've noticed. Unless, like I said, Mercedes have just decided to make it a bit more exciting for the viewers. Uh, yeah, have you guys got any thoughts on the engine mode things? I don't think Mercedes has decided to make it more exciting for the viewers. <laughs> um, I think. The only way they're going to do that is if they're ta- saying if they're going to just be like, go and overtake him now, do it, whatever, we don't care, and then see what happens. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. I think the biggest engine mode issue was the Monza race because it looked like they couldn't use any engine modes to yeah. overtake in such a um, low drag setup. We've had quite a few higher downforce tracks, which yeah, means the DRS point. is a bit more powerful anyway. Um, and so I think. It would be interesting to see when we get to somewhere like Bahrain, if it or Abu Dhabi, perhaps, where where um, you know, slipstreamy overtakes are a bit more the norm. Whether they will actually yeah. mm. um, happen as much as they have done in recent years, mm. Mm. it's still on the table for me. Yeah, I went off tangent there. Uh, no, that's all right. It's interesting. I I, I can go off the tangent a bit more. Go on. The little fun fact from the Arsenal's audience is that. Hamilton was the only driver to finish in his championship position. Wow, it's really fun. I know. You get and, and a fact. Party. <laughs> it's all right, it's as a fact. Completely gobsmacked Nigel. He's completely speechless. He's trying to think of a race where everyone finished in their championship position. I mean, don't say Mugello, the first race. Mugello, five of the top six finished wow. oh. in the championship and Fair six enough. of the top eight. Wow, I was yeah. Adam getting these stats from here. This is quite just dr- drawing them out of my mind. He bought some A3 paper the other day, and he's been writing no, it all actually. out. He's not but bought yeah, some A3 paper. If any listeners have got A3 paper, you can send them. <laughs> send them to Sheffield. No, send it to the Peak District, and Adam will go and hike up there every Saturday. That's what he'll do. Uh, I don't know what happens on this hike that Nigel seems to want to know so much about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> A bit confused about that. Um, well, uh, we yeah. Do you think, think there's going to be a surprise podium or any surprises? Uh, no, I think it'll no. be. A, I think you know that doesn't mean it'll be a bad race, but I think in terms of finishing order on the podium, I don't think that'll be a surprise. All right. All right. I, I think Stappen you... will come second. All right. That's good. Uh, yeah. Hamilton has to break the record, doesn't he, to win? He does. He has to win to break the record. Yes, to win. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. 92 wins. It's incredible. Isn't it? It, it is, it's weird that equaling the record was such a big thing. Yeah, I, I don't I understand. Think, I thought breaking it would be kind of the bigger thing. Because in general, yeah. in records, then it's kind of like, you know, the person who set it first is a bit, you know, normally held a bit higher exactly. than breaking yeah. it. That's the big thing. But I yeah, think, uh, like you say, the um, you just said there, 
the person holding the record is held in a bit of a higher regard. I think that just speaks of how high um, the regard for Schumacher is in Formula One. And the fact that Hamilton is now as good as Schumacher, um, rather than people saying better than Schumacher, people can say, wow, this guy is legitimately as good as Schumacher, who is, you know, everyone's revered so much, then that's just, that's got to be such a big deal for him and for the teams and everyone to watch that and go, wow, this guy is as good as this mythical Michael Schumacher. And now it's, wow, this guy is better than Michael Schumacher. I think both deserve praise. But yeah, I agree with you. Breaking the record's a massive thing as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was a bit strange. Yeah, I think it's strange as well, Adam. I completely agree. I've been waiting for it for ages because there was a chance he could have done it in Mugello if if he had had it well, even in Monza, if you'd had a bit more of a perfect run. So it's been, it's been, he's been knocking on the door of it for a long time, but I think they want to get the PR push out, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, mm. good point. So that's the end of the podcast then. It's, uh, I've presented two times in a row, so luckily I won't have to present for the next five <laughs> weeks, which our audience will be very happy about. Because we just don't know where these podcasts are going to go. Uh, yeah, we'll see you on Sunday or Monday after the race, which will be a good one. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, it'll be a good one. Oh, all right. That's good. I'll watch it then. All right. Bye.